Jen, welcome back to uh, Igniting the Spark, uh, Talk Film Society Star Wars podcast. I am your host, Callie Smith. Uh, and today, uh, we're going to be talking about Rogue One with number one Rogue One fan, Shay Vassar. How are you doing today, Shay? I'm doing all right. And honestly, any day I get to talk about Rogue One, it's definitely a better day than it was before I was talking about Rogue One. So <laughs> <laughs> it's always it's always a step up in the quality of the day. Definitely. Yeah, I get you. I get you. Yeah. Um, I okay, I want to just even start by being like, can you explain to me why this is your favorite one? So, I've always been a huge fan of underdog stories, and I really love all aspects of Star Wars that has a little bit of that underdog story. Um we we don't just see it in Rogue One, but I I think it really appears in Rogue One. So that's nice. Um, But I also like how it shows kind of the dark side. Oh, pun. But it shows the dark side of the rebellion and some of the more nuanced aspects of a more, um, I guess you could say, like liberal in quotes side, you know, because it's it's not the empire. This is supposed to be the good people. Right. But then you start seeing where. Uh, I don't know about this. And, and, you know, now we know a little bit more, even with uh, Mandalorian being out, there's a little bit more nuanced and it's not quite the two-party system, right? So Rogue One really gives a certain amount of depth to the first Star Wars that ever came out, so episode four. And I really like that. It's, It's almost like a continuation of just, like, world building, yeah. And yeah, I I really dig it. I and I also love how dark it gets. Like it's so dark. <laughs> and like that's the reason I started with that is the fact that I whenever I saw it in theaters did not like it that much. Mm. Um there was stuff I liked about it, but like overall for that exact reason. Like right cuz it gets so dark. It's so unafraid to be like the exact moment that I wrote down on my notes that I remembered the movie losing me is whenever Cassian in the like alley like shoot somebody and I'm just like but he's a good guy right (laughs) you know it's the immediate and to be fair now right I watch this now a couple years later and I like that a lot better because it's like yeah no in a war like both sides do shady shit you know exactly it's the Last Jedi theme, too, that, like, Ryan ties in with the, like, um, DJ and the whole, like, you know, war means both sides are doing bad stuff under the table sometimes. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, so, like, I remember just being, like, kind of disappointed at the end of the movie. And then this time, I mean, I also wrote my notes, hey, I think because I know how bad a Star Wars can be now after Rise of Skywalker, I'm like... <laughs> Actually, uh, yeah, like it's not. We try to be positive on good old igniting the spark, but at the same time, it's been a while since we record. I recorded uh, Rise of Skywalker with Cody, and it's aged like milk <laughs> ever since. So you know, um, but it definitely changed my perspective on this one uh, a lot. 
and also kind of made me tired of Jedi a little bit. So this one became actually that refreshing thing <laughs> that everybody else loved it for when they saw it of like, oh, no Jedi. This is yeah. Nice. <laughs> the no Jedi thing is such a big aspect too. And that's kind of what I've liked about both seasons of The Mandalorian so far too. Yeah. You know, like there's a little bit of Jedi seeping in, but for the <laughs> most part, we're learning about a whole different group of people and their culture. And we kind of see that with Rogue One, but more in like the working class people. Like yeah. these are kind of the outcasts of the world. They're not like heroes in the same way that, you know, when we think of like Luke and Leia and even like, you know, Anakin before, like he had so much potential. Right. And, and like none of these guys ex were expected to do anything good. Like they are really the people that like, if we had star Wars history books, like they would not be the first people that are written in because mm -hmm. especially because until Rogue One came out, they weren't, I mean, they weren't even <laughs> mentioned in like, we just start star Wars. I mean, if depending on which one you see as the first and all that, but you <laughs> yeah. know, you start it with like Leia getting the death star plans. Well, we mm -hmm. didn't know that there was a whole backstory and now we do, which is why I, yeah. I personally like love Rogue One. Cause I'm like, Oh, it adds like an extra depth to it. Oh, so pretty. It gives it gives more of the context to that like little line that comes a passing of like these plans came at like great cost. And you're like, yeah. oh, I wonder what what went on there. And now you're like, oh, yeah, damn shit. Yeah, you weren't lying. Right. Like, yeah, this, was is, lying. this is rough. <laughs> yeah. And like, I mean, we're kind of just jumping around, which is fine. I'm down. Everybody's seen Rogue One. <laughs> I really also liked this time around that whenever I watched, you know, the beach battle where you really start getting into the cost of everything that it's like it is a genuine war film because you've got yeah. those shots of people running and things blowing up behind them you know and like I was just like oh and maybe this is part of why I didn't like it at the time because at the time I was kind of like sick of war movies like I had seen a handful of them and I was like Bleh. but now it's like oh yeah no this works this makes perfect sense for the vibe of this movie to be this dark like gritty war movie rather than the you know fun cheerful little you know, uh, other, I'm trying to even put it into words, but like A, a New Hope is cheerful for right. the most part, you know, like you and you're just like, oh, look at cute little Luke Skywalker. I want to pinch his cheeks. But <laughs> this one is a lot rougher. Um, Let's, let's actually go right to the beginning. Okay. Now, yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's actually start, uh, start at the beginning here. Um, I noted this time, right, that as soon as this movie started, you compared it to The Mandalorian. And that was the first thing I noticed was I was like, this is the first thing that kind of starts introducing us to like the, I don't know, maybe new visual right. style of Star Wars kind of like the the sequel trilogy really doesn't look anything like this or Mandalorian. But I kind of feel like this is the visual. This is the beginning of the visual language that we're like, at least the yeah. Disney side of things is <laughs> establishing, you know? <laughs> yeah, which is the uh, controversial side of Star Definitely Wars. Definitely. So. <laughs> the most controversial side. There's no such thing as non-controversial Star Wars, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it's just got this really, and like, you talked about the backstory, and I really also like that everything within this story has a lot of, like, context to it. Everything feels very fleshed out. I, like, noted that there's, like, you know, 
as you're meeting Jin as a child, you even get little details like she has a Stormtrooper doll. Yeah. To show you that, like, her family's background with the Empire, you know, like, and you get, obviously, good old Maz Mikkelsen. Ah, ah. We stand a legend. For re- like an house. actual, he does not get enough <laughs> screen time in this movie. I will say that's a major complaint. Yeah. But like, I do love him in this role. Like that opening scene and just the fact it's Mads, like, come on. Like, that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he's so good. This is probably the most, I think, American audiences have seen um, Homeboy as like a normal person. <laughs> right. Like, not Hannibal Lecter or, like... Yeah, yeah. He's genuinely affectionate towards, like, Jin and his wife, you know? And he doesn't want to be this, like, bad guy character that he's kind of getting forced into right. being. And he plays it He plays it so well with such a good balance of, you know, with limited screen time, he plays that role, like, so well. Um, and, yeah, it's it's just... He's great. I like, you know, immediately you see Krennic and you're like, now that's that's a good villain character right there. So good. He's so weaselly. Yes, yes. That's a great way to describe him. He's like the, you know, the, the later on the don't choke on your ambition line is a little on the nose. Right. But it is perfect to describe what he is and what he's doing in this movie, you know. His relationship with Tarkin is very much, honestly, it's kind of that like, Hux and Kylo dynamic of like we both want to kiss up to the Emperor yep. but <laughs> you know it can't be both of us it has to be one of us um but yeah it's it's really cool um what here here's my question I guess how do you feel about Jin as like a leading character in this movie so I've gone back and forth on her I'm not gonna lie mm-hmm. because yeah. sometimes I really like her and then other times I get really annoyed by her but sometimes, like, I think because I, I get annoyed because she's, like, very angsty. But then I also, the one thing this film does do well at is, like, her angst isn't necessarily out of nowhere. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we see where her parents, like, what she went through as a kid. And then, like, if you put two and two together, because the next moment we see her, she's, like, in this, like, weird facility for, like, troubled teenage kids and they're like oh you can't be here anymore because you're like an adult so she is kind of like has a reason to be angsty so when I started like realizing that I think that's when I started appreciating her more because she's realized like Mm. the whole film is like Jen trying to figure out like where to put that emotion in that angst and it does work um I just sometimes wonder if like she was the right role um just because like i I don't know if felicity jones like pulls it off all the way yeah i am so reassured to hear you say that as like a huge fan of this movie because it's the biggest thing that holds me back from absolutely adoring this movie too is the fact that like i felicity jones i just don't find her to be a super interesting actress you know like i don't know if she pulls it off but you do get so many great Star Wars characters around her that it kind of makes up for it, you know? Like, I mean, she, yeah, she isn't quite, I think, up to the task of Jin. I think Jin is also probably a victim of, like, 
this movie obviously famously had kind of a troubled like production and shooting and all of that. Very true. And I think that her character is a big victim of like, we don't know what the hell we're doing. We're chopping together footage we've got from two different shoots. Ah, you know, like it's just, um, and I think that that's where also, you know, she gets failed. It's probably not even fully Felicity Jones' fault whenever you think about it that way. <laughs> like, it's, it's just like, like true because then it's like, you know, even like Alan Tudyk, he's not even mm-hmm. physically in it, but his character is more interesting than Jin in some ways because, like, <laughs> yeah. it's just he hits it right. Like, we know that's Alan Tudyk. Yeah. We love his jokes. You know, there's there's so much improvisation that he does that makes it worth it, yeah. and it made it into the final cut. So I think the fact that you have Felicity Jones as Jin, like, like you said, I have a feeling that some of the the cutting is what affects her, but it's just like Felicity Jones is trying to fill shoes that like her supporting cast is already like wearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's an interesting thing. It's almost like I don't want to say that her role feels unnecessary but it does kind of feel like she's almost pieced together from everything else around her like like you said you know like it's just like we have the pieces and if we did this as like a group movie rather than like making somebody the lead it might actually work a little bit better but like thematically though this thing is so rich and like good and interesting that it's like again you can get past it um but Let's let's talk about all those characters around her though. Starting yeah. starting with your boy and and mine. I mean, let's be real. We all we all love him, but uh, Diego right. as Cassian is so great. <laughs> like from he's, the second he's on the screen, like so. Like not only is he good looking, which doesn't hurt any Star Wars <laughs> actor, right? Like we've had some really good looking guys in. Yep. The, like every movie. I mean, even like with Pedro Pascal in The Mandalorian, like when every time he's taken his helmet off, I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, like boy. it's so beautiful. <laughs> so, like the fact that Diego Luna is like attractive, he's a good actor. Um, and then the like, too, they didn't have him work with a, a speech coach. Like he fully mm. has his Spanish, like his Mexican accent, which is such yeah. a first for Star Wars because we we've seen like maybe some like British but that's yeah. eh, whatever. Like we we see that crossover in these kind of franchises a lot. So to have someone that has like their their like natural, their first language that was so cool to me. And I don't even speak Spanish, but I was just like, you know, like you didn't like you wanted Diego for that reason. And you let him like create the character, which is in an mm-hmm. interview. Um, they he did talk about how uh, they really gave him the autonomy to create Cassian and like, you know, make it his, yeah. his own. And so um, he said, yeah, ca- like something about Cassian's like a really good cook. His favorite food is chilequiles. And I think about that all the time. I like all the time because I eat a lot of chilequiles. And it, even before I knew this, and I, every time I make it, I'm like, I'm making Cassian's favorite. Like <laughs> Cassian's fave. Yeah, I, I love that though. And I think that like the creative liberty definitely shows in his yes. character. Cause like... You know, I don't know, man, within like one scene, you kind of know exactly what's going on with this guy. It's the reason we're supposedly getting a Cassian show, you know, it's like, 
You see this guy and you're like, I want to know everything about where he came from and what's going on uh, that got him to this very desperate point and place. Right. You know, like, so desperate. you can tell he doesn't love having to do these things. Later on, he mentions how much he hates some of the crap that he's had to do, you know, for the rebellion. Um, but yeah, I'm, oof, that's speaking of which, boy. A brief, brief side tangent, right? To talk about the upcoming Disney, like, Star Wars stuff. There's so much good stuff. Besides Cassian. We we love Cassian, but, like, Obi-Wan. Oh, yeah. Man, there's Rogue Squadron. I mean, which which of these things are you most excited about, Shay? I mean, the it's Cassian the Cassian. Thing. It's yeah. the Cassian thing. Understandable, right? Yeah, I'm a little biased on that one. But, like, I mean, I'm going to watch them all. Don't get me wrong, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. They all, all of them sound really exciting and awesome. And I'm just like, I don't know. Everybody gets likes to get down on, on Disney era Star Wars sometimes. But, like, genuinely, if it means we get more of this stuff, even if some of it is a real miss, like Rise of Skywalker, (laughs) at least we're getting enough things that are like just stone cold you know, hits that is like, all right, like, I will unfortunately sacrifice (laughs) Rise of Skywalker and a happy ending for my boy Ben uh, if it means we get Mandalorian and stuff like that, you know what I mean? Like, I will will take the hit. (laughs) Poor Ben. If we get some good... I know. Yeah, hey, I mean, ugh. if it makes you feel any better, I know we'll get to it, but like Cassian didn't get a happy ending Cassian? either. <laughs> no, this movie, this that's the thing. And that was another thing that definitely like held me back from loving this movie was like, it tries, I think at the end to kind of remind you that there's hope, but it just, it does feel very hopeless at yeah. the end of this movie. Very. But we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> sorry. Um, sorry to bring it up no, <laughs> so soon. no. <laughs> I it's 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 a huge part of this movie and a huge thing that again we'll have to talk about. I know. But uh, yeah. Sad. the next oh the next characters oof that we must talk about. I am doing for those who can't see. I am doing chin hands right now because I love them so much. Chirrut and Baze are just the best. <laughs> ah, like. Oh, man, this time around, I mean, the first time, you know, you're watching the movie, everything's hitting you very rapid fire. Like, I'm just taking everything in, like, boy. But this time, as I, like, listened to their, like, backstory, right, of him, like, working at this, like, temple that's, like, worships the Force, but not Force-sensitive kind of a thing. Absolutely fascinating. Again, like, I'd like a Chirrut show, please. Like, give me that. <laughs> like, I would love to see more about what these guys were like um, back in the day. Um, and that that action sequence we immediately get to introduce good old, um, I don't even know if I'm saying Chirrut right, but to introduce him. <laughs> like, and like, with him kicking all of the stormtroopers' asses. It's so great. I love... That's probably my favorite scene, I will say. Like, I love that. Like, we have a guy who's, you know, Donnie Yen is, like, another guy who's, like, a big star in other countries, not so much here. Kind of like Diego Luna, you know, in a way. yeah. And we get this scene where, you know, we get to feature the fact that he is a charismatic action star who's amazing at martial arts, you know, and just, like immediately right off the bat just like an instant fave the very next thing you get is 
him going, why? I'm blind. Like, as they put the thing on him, which is my favorite line in the whole movie. Like, but, oh, man, it's just, this movie is very good at introducing the characters and, like, slowly adding the ingredients to the stew, if you will, you know, like, and uh, it's such a good introduction um, for the two of them. And who else gets, oh, Bodhi also gets introduced right about then. Ah, Riz Ahmed. Right? What a a phenomenal actor. Like, I mean, and this is not Star Wars related, but I'm hoping you've seen Sound of Metal this year. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Unbelievably great. So, so good. And I I just rewatched this one now with, like, that performance in mind and at such a greater appreciation for his character and everything um and he too is somebody that doesn't have tons of screen time but like he's doing so much with what he's got you know like it's just uh i i really i really i keep just doing the chin hands thing because every time i think think about a new character i'm just like my son my boy (laughs) they really are like and like you said a lot of these characters don't have a super amount of screen time like even when it comes to like true like you he doesn't like he's not on screen a lot like but when they're on screen they really have a confidence Mm -hmm. and in that character which just again shows that there was some creative freedom for them to to really become these characters um because i think that like while we brought up the 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 weaknesses in jen that mm-hmm. are probably due to some of the cutting that had to happen it's amazing yeah. that these char- these other characters are as strong as they are with the production mm-hmm. hell that was rogue one <laughs> yeah no it is really crazy how that seems to work (laughs) you know that like somehow these other characters didn't really get knocked too bad by the like editing process but yet our lead did i guess it kind of makes sense right because there were probably multiple approaches to the lead character and that's where things really got chopped up whereas like these side characters and secondary lead i guess in the way of cassian is just like nope we know exactly who they are right they (laughs) are are known like it is exactly like like you said the moment all of these characters have like the moment that they are on screen their introductions are unique and it sets the tone for who they are and tells you a lot without you know without the context that we later find out um you know with like cassian talking about how long he's been in the rebellion and how he's kind of like burnt out by it. Well, we already kind of know that by the time he says it. So it's really nice to have a star Wars that like, isn't just like explaining everything about the characters to us in the same way we've had that in the past. Um, Because it's, it's really shown before we're told. And I, I love that. It's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, see, that's cinema. We're showing, not telling. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's a huge That's a huge strength that this movie has, is that every character just, yeah, I mean, like you said, they come on screen, you're like, I know what this person's about immediately. No question. Like, all of them, I mean, even, I mean, Bodhi, granted, probably has the most told to you about him. Right. Because they're like, well, he's an Empire guy who defected. But even then, you know, you do see him, and you have to wonder in a movie that's showing more of the moral gray side, right, that like, well, maybe this movie has a character who's defecting 
because it's advantageous for him or something like that. But no, you see him and you're like, no, this is just a guy who got roped into something that is much bigger than he thought it was. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, he was not prepared. He, of all the, the others, was not prepared for what he got into. Yeah, you know, like the way, the way good old Riz is playing it is he's just very much like wide-eyed very like confused and thrown by everything like you know um boy i know one of the other things that definitely threw me for a loop whenever i was watching this is the scene where he you know is brought to um oh saw guerrera yes he's brought to saw and they do that weird telepathic tentacle alien thing yeah oh my gosh (laughs) Which is very cool and very Star Wars sci-fi, but I just remember watching it and going, what's happening? (laughs) (laughs) I'm very scared (laughs) by this and this vibe. And Saw is a very interesting character. Yeah. Boy, again, for for Callie, who was just like, ah, I love all the wide-eyed wonder of Star Wars, Saul was hard to take in, like, for me. No, I get that, because I I would say, too, that I kind of wanted a little bit more of Saul Guerrero, just because Mm -hmm. we see him when he, like, finds Jin, and then we see him, like you said, with the Bodhi stuff, and then we see him when Jin finds him, and then that was kind of it. I'm like, wait, we need more. I need more content. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I remember also thinking, boy, like, I, whenever he was like, nope, I've fought enough. I'm just going to stay here and die. I was like, bro, <laughs> I actually need more from you, though. Like, yeah. I feel like I'm super not done with you here. Like, this doesn't make sense for you to just kind of roll over. Your character doesn't make sense for you to roll over and be like, I'm good. Deuces. I'll just die right I, here. I'm good dying. Bye. Like, <laughs> <laughs> bye. Um, Especially whenever, realistically, I don't know, I guess in his situation, he probably couldn't get to a ship in time because of his health and all that good stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, I was like, I don't know, boy, this still feels like the kind of guy who would rather go out running than just sitting there. You know what I mean? Like, it's a a war, and he knows that, and he's very much a character who is all about the fact that that it it is is a war. war. Like, a hardcore war. I mean, and again, it kind of sets up because I know as a kid, like, watching episode four for the first time, like, you don't really, like, I don't know. Like, I didn't really get that it was a war. And now, like, yeah. growing up, seeing, like, war happening, and then it really puts in context kind of, again, where you're finding episode four. And, like, the, mm. how hard this this particular war in the Star Wars universe is. And I don't think I had quite grasped yeah. that yet. Especially because when I first saw, I think, episode four, I want to say, like, I mean, I might have seen episode one, but I was so young that I don't think I put it together that, like, this is the same world. Yeah. So when I watch episode four, when I was, you know, a little bit older, you're not, like, really aware of of the universe. And so this shows a little bit more of that and shows that it's it's dangerous. And people, they're willing to kill, like, civilians. They're willing to kill anyone you know, and like like mm-hmm. we figured out in this movie, like both sides, like it's not just the Empire. Like the rebellion has to be as dirty as the Empire too. So you know, you have to you have to kind of sink to the level of your enemy sometimes in order to actually fight them. You know, exactly. And this this does this. I mean, it does it really well. You know, it's just it's, but it's 
hard. <laughs> it is so it hard. is definitely not holding your hand through bringing you into this grittier side of things. You know, kind of right off the bat, as soon as you're done being introduced to Jin and everything, this, this movie's like, yo, shit's rough. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's a very cynical view. Yeah. Especially after, like, I mean, again, like, Okay, maybe we should have been expecting something a little bit more cynical after everything that happened to like Anakin, right? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. if we're gonna be honest, like that's pretty cynical too. But <laughs> something about that is like easier to comprehend and to digest than Rogue One to me. Yeah, that one. I think the thing is with the prequels and Anakin's story is that well, Lucas is always more focused on the politics for some reason rather than the actual Very. war, which is why it seems so disconnected from the war element of things, I think. But also it's just about like his journey is just about systemic weird, you know, stuff within this political system and then like and and the religion, you know, the systemic issues within Jediism, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's really true. You know, it's just like very bizarre you know god honestly the second you think about being a jedi for more than two seconds you're like this doesn't track (laughs) no but anyway and then this one is truly about okay fine you you had your movies that focus on the politics of stuff and some of the other stuff but let's actually look at how the little people who don't actually have the force, but just have to believe in it almost like a god. Yeah. (laughs) How they have to interact with, like, you know, the world and how they have to get by in this time that, again, from the perspective we've seen it so far, is just a bunch of people in suits, like, talking about battles. (laughs) You know, you get, like, in episode four, you get all the folks, like, sitting around the table with Vader a lot, talking about, like, oh, well, we've done this, we've done this. Whereas this one is, like, no, that thing they might have mentioned in passing, this is what it looks like when all those people die in that battle. This is the violence. Like, we actually see the violence, and it's not just, like, the Death Star destroying a planet like this is the everyday violence that is like terrorizing like you said the civilians the people that like don't matter like in quotes don't matter uh because like it they're also trying to figure out how to live in this this world where they could be on the planet that the death star could possibly blow up but they also could just be on a planet that is just being attacked by either the rebellion or by the empire so it's just like it's kind of like survival of the best and yeah. luckiest really it's it's truly showing that like while other people you know while on tatooine you don't really have to worry about that so much in episode four or whatever everyone else who's closer into the system has to worry about dying all the time exactly we spent so much time on tatooine like there's so like every other movie is like has a good even mandalorian has a good extended amount on tatooine so it's it is interesting because like in my mind that was so much closer to like the center of things because that's where we spend so much time but then it's not it's like not at the center of anything like no one really goes there so <laughs> yeah like except for us and george lucas yeah so and uh, ray inexplicably um <laughs> ray, ray! Ah! no i know we're, we're we not can't, talking we can't do that it. one we can't do it we can mention it in passing but oh we can't that's, we can't go it. down the wormhole the rabbit hole 
Uh, gosh, it's uh, it's rough. <laughs> I know, Although, it is really rough. One of the things I did notice, and, uh, speaking of Rise of Skywalker, one of the things that I noted down was that, you know, we do get to see, like, the Vader castle that, like, is mostly talked about in comics and stuff like that. Um, and you get to see, like... You know, one of the, like, loyalists that Kylo just, like, destroys at the very beginning of Rise of Skywalker without any explanation as to who they are. <laughs> but, you know, I watched this and went, oh, yeah, this is this is that again. Okay. Like, I was like, that one. That one. Okay. This, one ga- this movie gave me more context for something I didn't even know I would need context for at the time. <laughs> at the time, exactly. Um, and, like, I do like, I like the Vader stuff. I do feel like, I don't know, uh, what I noted is that, you know, the physicality and the costume just does feel like a touch-off. Like, because it's not the same guy. It can't be the same guy. Um, And it's like, I don't know. It's weird. I wonder who is in the costume for this one. Because it clearly wasn't good old Hayden Christensen. Because I feel like I wouldn't have been like, it's off if Hayden Christensen had done it. Exactly. I, I think he actually knows the physicality of the Vader suit after, you know... He took that very seriously in episode three, if I remember correctly, from some of the behind the scenes stuff. Um, Boy, they should have brought him back earlier. Obviously, I'm excited to see him in Kenobi, but they should have brought him back just to be in the suit here. (laughs) I'm excited for that, too. Like, yeah, but yeah, no, that I'm excited. And like, I mean, Ewan McGregor, how can you go wrong with him? Uh, Like, I I saw a meme, like, not to get off track. At least it's a positive (laughs) off track. But I saw, like, a meme the other day that was like, how did Padme pick Anakin when Obi-Wan was right there? And I was like, seriously, does was girl not looking at him? He is beautiful. Yep. Yep. It's true. It's true. Although then again, from Clone Wars stuff, I suppose, which I am still behind on. I, I'm so do, do not at me, everybody. <laughs> but I know that Obi-Wan has his own like romance yeah, that happens true. in some of that. So hey, maybe Padme was going, no, I know Satine's got dibs on that. Right, right. No, that's true. But so, And then she dates the boy that she knew when he was like seven. <laughs> Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. It's a whole it's a whole thing. There's a lot to unpack there. Woof. <laughs> Rogue One. But, but Rogue One. No, but I mean I mean but also I mean Kenobi I think they've been talking about characters that are gonna be in that and there's probably gonna be some like overlap because they're this is probably about the same era as like when Kenobi will a uh, Kenobi would I suppose go to you know the very beginning of this would be like the end of Kenobi because Kenobi is pretty old at the time of this movie timelines are hard in franchises especially when they <laughs> didn't even start in order <laughs> yeah truly yeah it's just like it's all over the place but I am, that's, that is the thing I am most excited for, I think, out of all of our Disney stuff is probably Kenobi. Ah, I can't wait to see you and McGregor again. Beautiful. Ah, so we, beautiful. We, we stand a legend. I was literally just talking about how much everyone loves you and McGregor at my day job, which is like an engineering job. So that's the universal appeal of you and McGregor. Like, that is everyone. so great. Because <laughs> everybody it, it is true. Like, and he's done so many diverse roles, you yeah. know? So good. So great. I just rewatched Down with Love this past weekend. Ooh. That's a great Ewan McGregor movie. Highly recommended if uh, you haven't seen that one. But anyway, I love that we get more Bail Organa in this. Yeah. 
the Organa family is something that's like, obviously, by the fact that I love Ben so much, <laughs> the Organa, but I mean, the whole Organa side of the family has always been a really interesting section of Star Wars to me. And even though he's literally only in like two or three shots, <laughs> getting more Bail Organa, again, played by the original, you know, guy from the, from the prequels by Jimmy Smith. Which is so cool. Yeah. I love that. They do a great job, honestly, with some of the casting of like characters that we've seen before. Obviously he's around, so it's fine. But like they, the casting they did for Mon Mothma in yes. this unbelievable like i can't believe that they managed to find somebody that looks that part like how like sometimes i'm like how do they do like how do they do a casting call for that yeah like without spoiling it too exactly what a hard thing to be like we want you to look like this very specific random star wars character (laughs) but we need to explain that very carefully in this casting call um, to not make everybody know exactly what we're doing. Um, but yeah, they do a really good job with the casting overall. Obviously, we've talked about some of the other characters and how much we love them. The thing I do think, another thing that like still now watching it kind of like got to me is I think this movie does kind of lose a little bit of momentum near the middle. Like whenever they go to that rainy planet, like... I don't know what it is. I don't know what moment it is, but there was some moment where I just kind of realized I was looking at my phone and I was like, I shouldn't be doing this. What am I doing? <laughs> like, and I put it back down and I look back in and like, I kind of get back into it whenever she, you know, gets to have a scene with her dad. Um, and then we go immediately into like third act territory, you know, like where we're getting into the battle and stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't. I wish I had a good way of defining it. I do like that we get X wings in that section. I love seeing X wings. Oh, the X wings look so good, and like I like the rain, but I do agree it is like mm. a weaker because like anything in a second act of the movie like that is a really hard place to keep momentum yeah. in any sort of film. So the fact it's a Star Wars film and it's like a little down right now. <laughs> I think they want the moment to be leading up to, like you said, Jen re, like reuniting with her dad, and then also Cassian deciding mm-hmm. that he's not going to kill him. So it's like it just isn't like yeah. it. It feels like it's like too forced right there, and um, yeah. But it is cool to see that Cassian does still have like a moral compass because I think that's kind yes. of the commentary that is with him, right? Is that when you sell out to something, a movement that you no longer are yourself, that you are representing mm-hmm. a like brand or a people. And so they kind of control you. But like in this moment, Cassian choosing not to kill um, Galen Urso it shows that he still is like human and, and has that moral compass that the rebellion has had to lose, like you said earlier, because they had to stoop to the level of their enemies. So I I like that moment, but it does like it's hard to keep the momentum from like this the moment before where you have these new characters. There's like this awesome battle. Then you have the the great comedic line. Um, 
with um, K2 where he like hits, slaps Cassian. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, like there, there's just so much right before it that it just kind of drops a little. Yeah. It's the beginning and the end are both just like so, so solid. That that middle act. It's exactly what you said. It's so hard for any movie to keep momentum in a second act. Um, and I feel like it is somehow even more challenging in Star Wars. Because yeah. some, at least there's a lot of like... The story structure of Star Wars movies gets weird in the middle. It always kind of has. Like, I would probably say the only reason it doesn't get super awkward in the middle of the original trilogy from what we all know about the original trilogy is probably Marshall Lucas's editing, you know? like True. The editing on those movies is so nice. It just flows really, like... I mean, I haven't rewatched those in a year now because I usually do it around this time of year, you know, to celebrate. Yeah. May the fourth be with May oh, the yes. fourth be with you. We are I can never say this it right. The day before Star Wars Day. Exactly. Happy Star Wars Day, everybody. Happy Star Wars Day. <laughs> um, so I usually like to rewatch like all the movies. I just haven't started that process yet. Yeah. Um, but I I remember noticing that last year was just how nicely they flow. And there's not really any dull moments, especially in four, five, and six. Like they're yeah. they're really top notch. Like yeah, ugh. it's it's really great, and it's it's hard these days. I think also the the second act problem is pretty universal because this movie and like I mean and Marvel movies and all of them yeah. because there's almost a push for like blockbusters to be over two hours no matter what like for some reason i don't understand why i don't think audiences like long movies right. but like there i think that's part of the problem is that we do have this like weird push for like let's make movies hella long all the time and it's like no it's not necessary <laughs> it's okay cut some of that out it doesn't need to be there <laughs> you yeah, know like a good 90 minute movie is probably what audiences want so that's a very good point so that means that there's a good 30 minutes in most of these more blockbustery movies that probably doesn't need to be in there yeah like it's 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 tricky i mean obviously editing is one of the hardest jobs i think probably in movie making period you know you um i remember during the oscars this year like whenever they're giving out that award they described it as like you are in a room by yourself for the most part making hundreds of choices an hour you know like every time you're so many choices every single day and you're doing it for a very long time especially if you have you know i don't know a crazy director who shot a stupid amount of footage and they just like bring truckloads of film to your house and go have fun like you know uh, <laughs> um but yeah so it's it's interesting i i wish i had like a better grasp on how like what it is that slows down but like it is still an interesting section of the movie that has those things in it that I really like. Like, I too noted this time how great that Cassian character moment is, you know, and how defining that moment is in his journey throughout this movie. Because this movie is absolutely him trying to regain his heart a little bit, you know, like kind of being like, I need to be a human being again. (laughs) I can't keep living like a, like, machine, you know? Um... And what a great character moment to have for somebody on the rebellion side. Because obviously that's kind of a story we see with villains in Star Wars all the time. Um, 
but somebody who's doing bad things for the right reasons rather than, you know, rather than the other way. I was about to say the other way around, but I suppose they're not doing good things for bad reasons on the other side. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, he's trying to ultimately like net positive rather than net negative, you know, like for the universe, not just himself, uh, the galaxy, I should say, not the universe, but you know, um, and that's a really interesting moment of him going, hold on, hold on. Maybe I need to put my own morals first every once in a while here and, like, not kill the hot Scandinavian down there. Yeah, the super <laughs> hot guy. <laughs> the super hot dad that is down there. Um, let, let, and, I mean, also, of course, lets Jin have her moment. You know, it's probably not something he's really thinking about in that moment. But doing that lets Jin get to say goodbye exactly. to her father. You know, it's and, so like, important. have those moments. So after that, right, like I mentioned earlier, we get right into the beach battle stuff. And, like... yeah so good like this section of the movie is so great um i love the like shore troopers that we get like introduced in this movie they're so well designed like i obviously right like star wars costumes are something i notice and note a lot um because of you know my history if anybody is jumping on here to this show at this point a fun fact about good old Callie is that I'm a member of the 501st Legion, which is a costuming group. So I noticed Star Wars costumes and I'm interested in them. Um, and no, but I mean, I remember just like watching this one and going, oh, that rules, that rules so much. Like, and that's never a good thing to think when you're a 501st person because that means you're going to have a craving to make it. To make it, yeah. <laughs> I was about to ask you when we're going to see you as a beach trooper. Uh, after I finish my Mandalorian kit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Which, boy, that's after I finish episode eight Kylo. <laughs> like, so there's right. a lot of things going on in Callie's costuming world. Uh, woo, a new podcast name idea. I need to write that down. Right? Uh, <laughs> Make note of that one for sure. Yeah. But, so anyway, but I mean, you know, they land in there, you get the great moment of them using the call sign like Rogue One whenever they leave the rebel base. They get in there, you get a good space battle while they're having the ground battle, which is nice. Um, it's not a good Star Wars movie unless we have, like, a good ships in space smashing into each other thing. <laughs> we need it. Like, it is a necessary thing. Yeah. And, like, one of the things I noted, too, is that, like, much like one of the one of the things I remember everybody loved about, not everybody, obviously, bleh, but The Last Jedi, <laughs> is that, um, you know, in the very beginning, you get the, like, image of just this, like, single X-Wing flying at, like, a whole fleet of, like, First Order and how great of an image that is of what the Rebellion is. And I also think in this one, the moment where they use a tiny little ship to push a dead Star Destroyer into another Star Destroyer is another great, like, ship visual moment of, like, this is a perfect visual of what the Empire... Like, the Empire versus Rebellion is, right? It's this tiny force doing its damnedest (laughs) to make any dent in this huge, overwhelming, just, like, unfathomably powerful force um 
of fascism and evil <laughs> in in the world. And it's like, I don't know, it's just the, st- the space fight stuff in this is really good. I do like kind of recycling some of the old shots from the um, old movies of the pilots. Yeah. Like, you know, getting the like old... I just, I just, I do genuinely like that. There are other parts of this that are very fan servicey that I kind of roll my eyes at and go, okay. <laughs> but, but that is that. a classic that lets you know like what universe you're in without it being cheesy. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, it, I like that it's like a little bit of connect, connective tissue between the two without right. being too... Like, a lot of people absolutely adore the big Darth Vader moment at the end. To me, I I like it. Like, it's good. I love seeing Darth Vader use a lightsaber. Yeah. Like, we all, we we love it. But we did literally see basically that exact scene completely different in a different movie. And, like, it's very, it's an odd choice, I guess, is how I look at that particular moment. And, obviously, again, we love Vader. We stand a legend. Yeah, definitely. But <laughs> there is something that rubs me the wrong way about that particular thing. And then, boy, we should also talk about the mocap. But it looked like you wanted to say yeah. something. So say something before we get into the mocap, because that's a whole thing. <laughs> I always feel bad about agreeing with what you just said, because <laughs> the movie is not about Darth Vader. And there is mm-hmm. a way to kind of, I think, hint at him and the evil that is to come mm-hmm. without showing like that. That scene, like in some ways, takes away from what these like nobody people are doing. Yeah. You know, and by showing like what's about to rise up. Yeah. Well, and it's also, it kind of takes away from what we were saying earlier about this movie being really good at show, don't tell. Right. Like, that, that scene kind of feels like the movie screaming at you. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I needed this. Um, it would have, honestly, a really good way for them to, like, do that would have been to just have him entering and turning on the lightsaber and, like, cutting away. I kind of would have dug that of, like, you know what happens here, fill in the blanks. Ex- you know, or something. Exactly. Um, and... But it is, you know, but at the same time, I do love seeing Darth Vader in action. You know, it's like, it's like the Mandalorian scene where, where Luke comes in. Like, obviously I love that too. Even though, yeah, there, there, there were moments watching that that I was like, this is a little over the top. (laughs) But it's like eating too much ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, you're like, I like it, but I shouldn't have done it. But like, I'm also. I feel a little bad about myself that I like it. (laughs) Yeah. But. I'm probably going to do it again kind of thing. Like, (laughs) you know, like that's actually a perfect way to describe it. (laughs) Cause yeah. And and that's why it's like with scenes like this one, like you mentioned with the Luke coming out of the Mandalorian, like that's going to hit star, all star Wars people, no matter where you stand, like in the heart. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if we need it. Like the extra ice cream. Like, yeah, eh, it's just, okay. It's the extra. It's like, just like one topping too much on the, on the, in the great movie podcast blank check they call it putting a little bit too much paprika on the sandwich that's what it is like it's <laughs> exactly just a touch what it too is. much seasoning you know um but 
The rest, though, of the ending, I love. And there's also, I noted that there is a little cameo from R2 and 3PO that almost feels kind of jarring. Yeah. I mean, it's nice. It's nice. I like it. It's again, it's that paprika thing. Now I feel like I'm going to say that. Too much paprika on the sandwich. (laughs) That's so good. It's just a little bit too much, you know? It's just like... I don't know, like, you could have literally just, like, I don't know, walked past them without them even saying anything. Just had them in the background of a shot as, like, an Easter egg. And I would have liked that a lot, you know? like a hidden Mickey. Yes, yes, exactly. That's the kind of vibe I'm after (laughs) with, like, some of the touches. Like, if you're, if and when you're gonna bring in the characters, I want them to be story involved. You know, like, bringing in Vader, I want Vader in his castle on Mustafar confronting uh, Krennic. Like, I want that. That's good. That's good stuff. Um, But, like, I don't know. Again, showing me a punched up version of the episode four hallway scene. I'm like, no, it's fine. We've seen it. Yeah. We've seen it. It's great. It was great how it was. Like, even even with the shoddy 1977 costumes and all that, we did love it. Like, it's fine. Um, But it's, yeah. But the ending overall, man, it's (sighs) great shit. Like... I, I love mm, this time through the movie, like, getting to the point where, like, Jin and Cassian, you know, after their final conf- confrontation, you know, just go to the beach and, like, hold each other in this very platonic, like, we are very, very good friends who are, you know, we have, I don't know, we have, like, a, you know, a love between us that's not, it's not that, you know, but it is a very deep love that has kind of suddenly caught up with both of us in this moment where we're going to die you know and that's and there's nothing we can do about nice. it like they really yeah. have just accepted their fate and when you mentioned the platonic that's actually one of my favorite things and i obviously you know i love all the cute little romances we get like i'm a huge like han and leia you know like their love is really sweet and they're whatever yeah but i also love how this movie chose not to put a romance between the two of them because mm-hmm. it i mean that's one thing i i will say like i'm for example not to burst anyone's bubble um i'm not, and it could be because of what happened with the like last trilogy mm-hmm. but i'm not the biggest ray fan like she's yeah. just kind of ended up rubbing me the wrong way completely understandable (laughs) and so like but i kept saying you know i'm happy that like specifically girls can watch a character like ray and and i would have ate that up because i had padme growing up like that's not cool Mm -hmm. like she was so like she's she's a princess (laughs) she doesn't fight like she kind of fights she like the whole senator (laughs) yeah like the whole thing with anakin like she's not a cool role model at least with ray like Mm -hmm. she's like badass like she's going after things she's determined and that's one thing i do like about like jen too um but all of these Mm -hmm. characters you know they're all from different underrepresented groups they're you know but then they don't put a romance in it and i love that choice for the kids that watch it just because again it's like this is a war movie if they had put a like a romance in this this would have just been pearl harbor all over again it was it would have been so unnecessary yeah and like I just, like, I don't even know in a universe as kind of, like, I don't know how to put it, like, kind of sexless as Star Wars is, like, 
the thing is, a last-second romance in something like this where it's so, like, futile, like, you know you're kind of, like, going on a death mission, would kind of, like, have the vibe of one of those scenes in a war movie where people are like, we're about to die, might as well fuck. And it's yeah. like, I don't want that in Star Wars. I don't you know? want it. Exactly. <laughs> it's not, that's not the vibe we need <laughs> in this, in this movie. As dark as it is, like, that would be a step too far for a movie where everyone dies. <laughs> it would still be a step too far to kind of throw that in with everything else um but it's just like it is still just like such a lovely moment that they get to have you know together as the like you know horizon is blowing up (laughs) behind them and everything it's a really lovely shot like it's beautiful it's, it's gorgeous i i think most of the beach stuff honestly is very well shot um for being basically a war movie you know yeah. with lots of dirt and debris flying around um and oh man one of the things that always of course hits me very hard or hit me hard at f- the first time and this time is the way Chirrut and Baze go out you know uh, like <laughs> it's so like Mm, I don't know. It's so fitting, right? These are characters that, like we said, don't have tons of screen time. Um, But the screen time they do get, we get their backstory and what their characters are so well. And, um, you know, from the second that scene kind of starts, you know, you immediately know, okay, this is what's about to happen. And he's going to go out this way and I'm going to have to watch it. And I don't like that, you know, like, um, it's great. I also, this time through, was a lot more emotionally affected by Bodhi. Because Bodhi just dies. Like, it's it's a very quick, very warlike death. You death, know, where yeah. it's like, you don't get, you don't get the big moments like Chirrut and Bays every time. You know, like, sometimes people who are people with full stories behind them and li- full lives of rich you know, stories and other people and relationships just go up like that. Like, that's how quick it happens, you know? Well, it's another instance of Bodhi just being wrong place, wrong time. Like, his whole character arc is beginning wrong place, (laughs) wrong time, ending wrong place, wrong time. And it's, uh, it just, like, hits you because it, he he is the one that is the least prepared for this battle, just mentally even. Because this isn't, like, his entire passion in life. He wasn't, you know, some, like, Cassian who is like I'll die for the rebellion even though I don't agree with everything so it just hits you a little bit differently with Bodhi he kind of has like the same vibe to me as like folks that like I don't know join (laughs) again we're in the wrong place in the wrong time in like Germany or whatever and we're like engineers and like who wanted to work on like space stuff and then like you know the war ended and they were like oh (laughs) fuck I guess I gotta go to America because that's the only place I can go to keep doing you know it's just like one of those things where it's like you joined for a completely different reason than like the actual ideology of the group you accidentally joined into you know exactly and then you realized oh fuck <laughs> oh, I don't want to be here. <laughs> like, you know, like it's it's a very it's a re- and a lot of these characters are very good at showing 
these complexities of war in this movie. The civilians who get roped into things because of other things they're passionate about or whatever. For him, you know, being like an engineer or a pilot or something like that. He clearly just got brought in because there was work here and, you know, it made sense for him to do it. And it's like, it's, 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 and then you get all the civilian characters who are just casualties, but instead of just seeing them die in a big explosion or whatever, you actually see them die, you know, like you get the real cost of the Star Wars (laughs) in this. And it's really great. And I'm glad I have a better appreciation for it now this time around than I did originally. Um, I think, I think originally, like, didn't this come out between Force Awakens and Last Jedi? Is that right? I think so, because that would be, it came out 2016, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, when did the other, yeah, like, because this movie, I know a lot about, the other two, I'm like, I watched them, like, (laughs) yeah, they were there, I remember them, kind of, yeah, no, I, I, I know, I kind of know the timeline, because in 2015, I worked in a movie theater when Force Awakens came out, so, I, yeah, that was a whole thing. (laughs) I'm sure. Um, And then, you know, uh, Last Jedi, I remember very specifically watching because that is an unforgettable theater experience for me. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, This one is, too. I mean, like, I remember coming to see this and what I was leading into was saying that I think I kind of expected something with a similar vibe to Force Awakens, and that is not what I got. No. Not at all. And I think that's why you know like now with a couple seasons of mandalorian under your belt and all of that coming back to this movie i was like oh i get it this time i'm on board you know from shot one like you got me okay i get it you know and also with the way our world has been i mean if you think about it from like 2016 till now like we have had some hard times that have made us like even more cynical than we were before so a movie like this is like yeah, this is real life. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's obviously yeah. not, it's in space, but it's like, this is what life is like. No, I mean, absolutely. Especially with the themes of like going too far to yeah. fight against fascism and stuff like that. In America, we had an uncomfortably close scrape with uh, fascism here. <laughs> and, it was, and, yeah. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> It's very scary, you know, it was a very scary time in the time period. I mean, I guess this came out 2016. We weren't that far into this period yet, you know, like we did not know how bad things could get. We knew they could get bad, but boy. <laughs> we had you no know? idea. I mean, no, no. I, I And then with COVID, I mean, just the mm-hmm. last like four to five years have been really like, dark. <laughs> cataclysmically bad. Um, yeah. And then you come back to a movie like this that is like, now imagine a galaxy where things are at that point, <laughs> where things are cataclysmically bad. And think about the level of desperation that you would come to if it meant, you know, if it meant, I don't know, like somehow overthrowing COVID. I don't know how that is. But like, think about the lengths that you would go for, you know. desperation. Exactly. Yeah. And it's now it's like you fully, I I fully understood it watching this movie a lot more than I did the first time, you know. And it's, it's good. It's good. I am down to like finally fully call this a really good movie. I really enjoyed it this time around. Woohoo! 
That is Riley's so converted. good. Right? We're, we're fist pumping, celebrating. <laughs> it's exciting. Yeah. No, I mean, although, and I mentioned this earlier and said I needed to come back around to it. The mocap in this movie is yeah. one of the other things that does get me down a little bit. I get why we thought we needed to do it, right? <laughs> I get kind of where, what, what we're after here. But <laughs> Tarkin, Tarkin kind of looks okay, right? But like this movie ends on like the Leia one. Yeah. That's a little rough around the edges. It like is. it's not great. And I really, it's, it is just like one more of those little things about this movie that I'm like, if we could tweak this a little bit, <laughs> this would be like the next, you know, I, I could bump this up another star and a half or whatever, or star or whatever. You and know I'm what like, I mean. did you guys not have any footage of like Carrie Fisher in Leia that <laughs> would just work there? I feel like you yeah. do. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. It's even that it's even that thing of like what I was saying before about the Darth Vader scene where it's like maybe you just show him igniting the lightsaber or yeah. whatever. It's like maybe you just show Leia from the back saying that. Like you don't have to show me her face. We get it. You show her from the back with the hood and maybe taking it off and you see the buns as she says it or whatever. That's fine. That would do it. We would understand. Yeah. Like that would give me... And it would give me the feeling that I think this shot is trying to give me of just like, hey, you know her. She's great. We stand a legend. Like, And I'm like, you could have given me less and I would have liked it more, you know, in a weird way. Definitely. Um, but I mean, at the same time, right, I feel like I can't fully get mad at it because the mocap is, it's improving. Like, this is kind of our first usage of it and we're trying to like I, D- disney is clearly trying to get it to a point where we have it they have it down to our art form i don't know why i keep saying we, we. i am one with disney <laughs> it's kind of like watching the first shrek again because as a kid that was like top-notch animation but now like watching the first one you're like oh because we just have seen animation improve so much so i have a feeling that'll be something similar yeah and like it's better now in Mandalorian yeah. with Luke. You know, they did better with that. They, But at the same time, right, there's still that uncanny valley, yeah. even after all this time. And it's kind of like, yeah. I kind of wish the lesson we had learned from this movie wasn't let's get that better and maybe let's hold back a little bit more. <laughs> like, And let's, it's fine if we hold back a little bit more. People will still enjoy it just fine. Just It, it would be just fine. And you would probably yeah. save money on the budget, to be honest. Absolutely. So. <laughs> I don't even want to know how much money they spent on that, like, one shot of Leia. You know? No, like, I, yeah, don't want to know. Mind-boggling to think about sometimes how much money goes into these movies. But it's, besides that, though, like I said a minute ago, I like this. I'm back on board. I'm fully on board with Rogue One now. Hell yeah! Um, <laughs> and yes. Yes, be proud. I am. I have been converted. You've done it. Yay! Uh, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's great. Um, any any more final thoughts from you on this one before we wrap up? No, I mean I could talk about this movie all day. Um, it's kind of like even <laughs> yeah. as dark as it is, it is the movie that some days when I just have a hard day, I just turn it on. Um, I usually don't yeah. watch till the end because that would make me sad. But um, I just watch like <laughs> them being so so motivated to do something, and I that really motivates me to want to do something too, and that helps. Um, 
So yeah, no, I could, I love this movie and um, I can't <laughs> wait to see Diego Luna and more Star Wars stuff, which I know we're getting. So yes. um, that's going to be so fun. I am, I am so jazzed oh, as always for more Star Wars content. Yeah. All right. Well, um, do you got any plugs for all the folks who are listening at home? Yeah. Um, the easiest way to keep up with me is on social media. Um, if I, I am on an app or website. You will find me at, at JustShea, S-H-E-A, Vassar, V-A-S-S-A-R. That's it. Yes. Uh, Shay is a quality Twitter follow. Highly recommend. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> um, I always look forward to seeing to seeing new stuff from you and, and tweets. So, yes, highly, highly recommend for everybody at home. And as for me, you know, you can find my writing on TFS. Uh, and I mean, more igniting the spark and more Star Wars. As 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 frustrating sometimes as it is to be online and love Star Wars. Oh yeah. The thing is, at the end of the day, Star Wars is good. We love Star Wars. We still Wars. do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it's great. Uh, and um, if you're out there hating on Star Wars, fuck you. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> at least someone no, said it. I'm, no. I'm gonna. I'm gonna just. I'm just gonna throw down the gauntlet. Um. <laughs> No, I'm not going to do that because I am a woman talking about Star Wars on the internet. Ooh, it's a hard place. <laughs> it's a hard thing. But anyway, um, thank you so much for coming on the show, talking about it. I know it's your favorite and you'll always do it, but still. Thank you. No, I appreciate you inviting me on again. Okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and for everybody at home, uh, may the force be with you.